welcome to the Good Fight Podcast. This is Season 3, Episode 5, and we're entitling it, Speak the Truth, Don't Be Nice, But Be Gentle. This is Brian. I'm flying solo today, as Denver is pretty busy with some stuff at school. Really proud of him, as uh, this week, later on, he is going to be giving a speech uh, before hundreds of people, including the governor of Utah, uh, something he's been invited to with his school and very proud of that. He's prepared very diligently and really praying that uh, he'll do well and, and feel God's pleasure in doing that. So, uh, Denver, we wish you well, and we certainly miss you as part of this podcast, but we'll do our best to uh, to go through this. So, as we mentioned, the title is talking about truth and mainly speaking the truth. And so, the first question is, is there any such thing as truth? So, in, in case you weren't aware of that, <laughs> that's a big question right now. It has been for a long time in philosophical circles, but uh, is there any such thing as absolute truth? And the if there's not, there is that's very problematic. And that argument really, the question answers itself quite easily if you're willing to look at it. And really, uh, if, if there's not truth then getting our ideas across, whatever they are, it's really all about power and manipulation. Uh, and then if it's all about that, then what uh, happens if you and I disagree about what the truth is? How do we handle that? And really, there's no solution except just by power. Another thing is that if there's no such thing as absolute truth, then the concept of justice and good and evil really have no meaning either. We'll, we'll delve in that uh, a, little, a little bit more later. So as believers, we have to realize that truth, the matter of truth ultimately boils down to that truth is a person and Jesus Christ. So if the Bible is reliable and if Jesus rose from the dead, then we can anchor ourselves in this truth and then let everything else flow downhill from that. God's given us plenty of evidence and we have plenty of good things to, to talk about with people uh, who are open to that. So today's episode uses the work of a guy named Dr. Jeff Myers. He's the president of a group called Summit Ministries in Manitou Springs, Colorado. Uh, he operates a two-week kind of a worldview boot camp for people from like 16 to 23 years old. He's written an, uh, a new book. It's been out for several months now, but I've just finished it. It calls Truth, it's called Truth Changes Everything. And a lot of the resources and quotes that we're giving are from that. But especially on our resources, we want to offer up two different podcasts where he's the, de the guest. One of them is a uh, kind of a quick overview from Wall Builders. And the other one is kind of a deeper dive from the Elisa Childers podcast. Both, both of them are very good. So today's uh, podcast, we're going to, in our first session, we're going to talk about uh, the importance of truth and kind of what truth is. And then uh, have our lightning round. think I got some interesting things to cover for you there. And then the final one, kind of the theme of the broadcast, will be talking about how do we speak up and stand up for the truth that God has told us to do, that we are guardians of that. All truth is God's truth. Anything that is really true is God's truth. And so we have a duty, we have an obligation, we have a privilege of standing up for that. And I think Dr. Myers has some really good suggestions for us. Like the title says, we don't want to be nice. Nice meaning, oh, I'm not going to say anything because I don't want to ruffle any feathers and, and I don't want anybody to be angry at me and we all just need to all get along and, and all. And, and, uh, but that being gentle is being able to have that foundational truth, that anchor point, that stake in the ground that we can can trust in is the truth. And then with gentle, uh, patient persuasion and listening and compassion, 
for the person that we're talking to. Seek to articulate that truth to them and pray that God will help reveal that to them. And in the process, we will certainly have uh, our outlook uh, in, enlarged and our perspective changed too. So that's the plan for the day. We're glad for it and looking forward to it. And we'll be back just a second for our first segment. I'm back talking about now the importance of truth, the, uh, the definition of truth, the importance of being able to uh, gently articulate that truth as we know it. And uh, as I mentioned, Dr. Jeff Myers is part of the, uh, a big part of the planning of this and the resources which we really commend to you. And uh, just to bring you back to kind of our theme statement, our mission statement, that we're informing and empowering truth seekers to take their place in the good fight. So the, the purpose of all this is to help you try to pray about and discern in what areas, in what ways, and to what people, in what circumstances does God want you to exercise that responsibility and, yes, that privilege of declaring the truth and letting his Holy Spirit be the one that really does the work, and we are the vehicles. So that's the plan. So uh, Dr. Myers talks about truth with a capital T, things that are absolutely true, that, that are part of God's truth, God's revelation to us, either from directly from his word or for things that we see uh, revealed to us in the, the book of nature or in the, the, the kind of idea of natural law, the way things are, the way things have been set up. And he contrasts that with the uh, idea of truths with a small t, plural, which are, are little things that we can, we can believe, but may not absolute, necessarily be absolutely true. And so this begs the question of if we believe in the little t, truths concept, then I can have my truth, I can have the things that I believe are true, but if you don't believe those things are true, that's perfectly fine, and you have your truths that you can believe in. So this brings up the subject of relativism. So relativism is the fact that there is no such thing as absolute truth. It's kind of the mantra of the postmodern movement, deconstructing things. And it, um, the idea that there's no way of knowing what's absolutely true. And uh, a resource I want to point you to is a wonderful sermon by John Piper. Uh, he's a very well-known and well-respected um, uh, evangelical pastor. And uh, it really does a good job of outlining the uh, relativism and how dangerous that is for us as Christians. And one thing I like, he talks about at the end, the danger of cultural relativism, which is, is so much at the forefront of what we're seeing in our, uh, in our, our day today. So um, just to point out the, the extreme issues of this right now and how much this relativism is at work in our, our country, our culture, our politics, our educational institutions. I heard recently about a, a First Amendment professor at a major university saying the following. He says, We're entitled, everybody's entitled to their own facts if you can make them stick. Now, <laughs> when you think about that, that sounds kind of very high-minded, very open-minded. Uh, but that idea of, okay, how are we going to make them stick? So uh, hopefully uh, with, with free speech, I, I like the idea of 
if things are absolutely true, making them stick is revealing the, the, the truth of them through persuasion, logical argument, being open to changing minds. But on the other side, on the left, the leftist idea is that, uh, that uh, some of these truths that they want us to believe are so untrue that all they can do is ignore the untruth of them and just say it louder, um, say the untruth uh, more strongly. And then, as, uh, as Lenin pointed out, the truth kind of, uh, and ultimately in a, in a leftist Marxist idea flows from the barrel of a gun. And so uh, that's very dangerous. And we see that in our day that, uh, that uh, things like people uh, espousing the truth like January 6th was a deadly, violent insurrection. So January 6th was something, and we'll talk about this a little bit more in the lightning round, but just the more things that are coming out right now about some of the things that we see were happening that day uh, really uh, call into question that idea. And I think we should be able to do that. And we're, what we we're have, have seen for a long time is that uh, people that have tried to articulate that have been canceled, taken off social media, and ignored instead of uh, listened to. So we can talk about all different kinds of ideas, but it's really dangerous. If there are no absolute truths, then all we have is force to uh, make them happen. And that's very dangerous. So, um, and I mentioned earlier in the introduction that if, if truth is up to the individual, then justice, morality, good, evil are completely meaningless. Because if, if, I, if my truth is that uh, I want that thing that you have, then I'm going to take it. And you have, just because that conflicts with your truth, if I have more power, then I can have it. So uh, the, uh, as, we, as we go on in our third segment today, talking about, okay, how are we going to try to stand up for what is true? And how are we going to do that? not being nice, because sometimes I know for me, uh, I think it's been way too important for me in my life to be a nice guy uh, instead of a gentle guy that, that still is able to stand up for the truth. But we need to, to be able to articulate the truth gently and wisely. And that involves talking about what we want to talk, contend for in the first place, pick our battles. Uh, there are also some really good techniques for keeping the dialogue going and not canceling people. Uh, to try to acknowledge them as individuals and really try to act differently than the world around us, both on the Marxist left and sometimes on the right with uh, certain uh, uh, political candidates that we will uh, discuss a little bit later. So uh, looking forward to delving into that in a second, but in a moment, talk about some things in the lightning round. So stay tuned and uh, we'll see what's kind of on our mind for that. Be right back. For the lightning round, uh, as I'm recording from uh, t usually sunny California, but it's been quite cloudy and rainy here, uh, depending on if, no matter where you are in the country, you probably heard about that. We're very thankful for the rain, thankful for the snowpack, and just pray that God will be gracious in allowing that to, uh, to melt relatively slowly and to minimize any uh, disruption, but we're very thankful for that. So first item for the lightning round. Uh, the last time I gave you kind of a top 10 list of the most crime-ridden cities. 
And today I want to give you a list of, according to um, uh, one source, of uh, which companies are the worst for promoting leftism. And without giving you a lot of details, uh, there's a link that you can click and kind of delve into how they determine this. But uh, here they are. We'll see if any of your favorite companies are here. Number one on the list was Alaska Airlines. Interesting. Number two, Allstate Insurance. Number three, Comcast Cable. Number four, CVS Pharmacies. Number five, Ford Motor Company. Number six, Kohl's. I'm uh, going to try to kind of divert my business from, from Kohl's uh, if I can. Kroger, the grocery people. Marriott, the hotel people. Mattel, the toy people. And Pfizer, surprisingly, they've got their, their hands in all kinds of, uh, of, of interesting uh, things these days. But uh, they made the list of the uh, top companies for promoting leftism. So interesting. Number two on our lightning round today, the Jesus Revolution movie. And we both Denver and I have seen this. We saw it together. Uh, we commend that to you tremendously. It had a, a tremendous impact on both of us, both for uh, my wife and I as we saw it. And being baby boomers, we grew up as, as Christians in a, a church in that era. We knew of the Calvary Chapel. We knew of the, of, of the youth movement, the Jesus movement, Chuck Smith, uh, Harvest Fellowship here in Riverside where I grew up. So lots of that kind of stuff. And so, uh, and, and yet Denver, as somebody, uh, that's ancient history in some ways for him, but as a Christian believer now that uh, he was touched, and I'll, maybe he'll weigh in on that at some point in a future broadcast, but I know I'm really thankful. He even took it back to his uh, school in Utah, invited people to uh, see it and the people around him, and I had two people join him one night where they watched it together to uh, people his age and some people uh, even in their 70s that he works with in his office uh, had gotten tickets and were going to see it. So uh, how wonderful to be able to uh, see the, the true uh, gospel and what Jesus has done then and pray for him to pour out his spirit on upon us now and have that work. Uh, a good resource, uh, Elisa Childers, I mentioned her earlier, but uh, she did a podcast uh, featuring an interview with her father, Chuck Gerard, who was big in that movement in the Christian music, was part of Love Song, one of the bands that was in the uh, involved with Calvary Chapel in Costa Mesa, and uh, even has somebody depicting him in the movie. So she interviews him, and there's some really good insights about some of the things they changed, kind of his artistic license. Uh, in there, Elisa gives her typically very good insights into some things that she really, really liked. One of her concerns is that uh, she had wished that the, the gospel about uh, Jesus uh, dying for our sins and, and how we need his forgiveness uh, uh, for eternal life, kind of a John, John 3.16 uh, message, wasn't clearly articulated. It was implied there in the movie, but uh, you kind of take a look at it and see for yourself. And then... Uh, Elisa's father, Chuck Gerard, talks about some other some of his insights about what uh, what helped him be able to view the music in a good light. Number three of four, the January six tapes coming out and uh, being revealed and to uh, being made available to Tucker Carlson and being able to see some of those things. I really commend whether you like Tucker Carlson or not. I really commend those to you. Uh, they really show a different side of that. And while we want to decry violence, there are some things, uh, illegal things that happened that day. 
but the fact the 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 narrative of the of the media and the political left, the Biden administration, even to this day about about it being a deadly uh, insurrection to try to overthrow. Uh, I think that that falls like a house of cards if you really look at that and all the things that have been done in the name of that, the quashing of the free speech, the huge fences around the, the Capitol, the people still in prison uh, from that, uh, the fact that the, the FBI and the Justice Department seem to have charges all ready to go and we're anticipating and using this as a way to, uh, to get back on, on just because they didn't like Trump supporters. Uh, there's a lot to think about. So I just would encourage you to be very open to that. The next uh, and last thing for, on our lightning round today, an interesting uh, study that came out that was talked about on another Wall Builders podcast, uh, just about the kind of sad state of military readiness in that uh, less than 25% of people of recruiting age for uh, the military are uh, physically capable of even being able to sign up for the military and just don't qualify. So listen to that. It's a really good um, kind of expose of that. It really speaks to those of us who are involved with young people as, as teachers, people involved in education, mentors, and as for us as parents to be able to get our kids away from the computers, out doing physically active things. And for those that are out there and active, the importance of being able to step up and being able to make our armed forces uh, the way they need to be able to defend uh, freedom and justice. So that's the lightning round. Thanks for listening. And uh, we'll be back in a second to talk about how are we going to best and most effectively be able to declare God's truth to a hurting world, world that needs it so much. So now, enough of the theory. Now here's the practical stuff. <laughs> How do we speak out for the truth? How and when? Um, so one of the things that Dr. Myers at Summit, Summit Ministries did uh, is some research that I think will be encouraging to us as we try. Because I know for me, I tend to get fearful. Uh, I don't like being wrong. I don't like ruffling feathers. And so I kind of... Uh, stop, maybe even sometimes before I get started. But uh, he did some good research uh, for us that we will um, uh, get to in just a second. That, uh, you know, if we're, if we're called to live out the truth and speak the truth, it's important that we figure out how to do it. And first of all, here's how we don't do it. Okay, so the, the, the leftist Marxist way that we see so much is you, you try to destroy the messenger. And this was a very clear tactic uh, coming from uh, Marx and Lenin. Uh, I was surprised to see how much this was FDR's uh, uh, tactic as he went up against Herbert Hoover uh, in his campaign. Uh, and looking at a lot of what we believe about that and the depression and all, uh, was kind of a, a big news campaign to try to uh, get FDR elected at the beginning of the uh, of the depression. We then we go to Saul Alinsky. Uh, his book Rules for Radicals talks very clearly about how uh, ridicule uh, is such an effective technique, uh, and it's hard to fight back against, and it makes the people you're ridiculing very angry. Um, so. 
you know, President Biden talking about the MAGA Republicans uh, and, and all that and d- dividing us. That kind of identity politics is, politics is very divisive. I feel like the left has to do it. They have to lie because their, their position is so weak. Uh, and, and sadly, we sometimes do that uh, in trying to articulate conservatism also. <laughs> uh, and, uh, you know, even you know, to go to Trump's name calling. Uh, and I don't like that uh, about him. It's not Christ-like. And uh, I, I just think it's not, uh, it's not a good look. And uh, we are right to decry that, even if, as we uh, conclude all the uh, all the evidence, as we as we examine all the evidence, we have to decide that uh, a, a vote in that direction, at least was in the past, the best way forward. Um, and so uh, we don't don't want to have you uh, think that it's it's only that. But we don't have to do that when you have the truth on your side. The truth is all it has to do is be unleashed. So that's what we're trying to do. So here's some of that polling. So uh, Dr. Myers talks about how only about five to eight percent of the of Americans are so radical and cut out cut, are and so radical and cut off that they will cancel you if you speak out to them. Uh, that they say that that their their technique of dealing with those people is to cut them out of my life. That, that many others, many others more will tolerate and listen. Uh, and I know f- it, it make th- the idea of being uh, uh, called out and canceled uh, is, is so ominous to me that it makes me sometimes give up. Uh, people can be loud and obnoxious, so that 5 to 8% seems like a lot more sometimes. So I'm hoping I can practice uh, what I preach in that and not let that get me down. Another... Um, uh, poll is that two-thirds of Americans think public calls to prayers in times of crisis are helpful. Like when the football player went down in the field, people praying for him. How cool. And, and so I, I wish I could hear more about that in terms of the hurricane and the floods and, and things like that, calling out to God. And then uh, his polling also show that uh, people think it's more respectful uh, when people articulate what they believe than to just be silent. And uh, Rick Green on Wall Builders called that just that fact, uh, just a big shot of backbone <laughs> to the truth. And I like that. And I'll take that shot. I'll take a bottle and <laughs> and uh, try to get that kind of uh, of uh, Christ honoring backbone if I possibly can. So um, if you go to summit.org, which is uh, Dr. Meyer's website, uh, and go uh, slash press, he'll give you. There's more details about that uh, that research. So moving on now, that uh, the uh, this kind of conversation that we have, that's what civil discourse is. And that's what it should be, that we should be able to talk about things and at the end of the day, be able to disagree agreeably. And uh, there's lots of ways to handle that. We won't take time to uh, to talk about all the different ways that that, that could take. I mean, some some things require taking a direction, like in, you know, taking a vote in Congress and some people are going to disagree about that, but we have to take a direction. We can't just sit out there and fibrillate and do nothing, but uh, it's good to do that. So uh, to that, uh, there, there is a good uh, wokeism data point too, that the vast majority of people think that being able to say what we think 
uh, is really important, that indoctrinating children in schools with woke ideology about, uh, about systemic racism uh, and stuff like that, uh, transgenderism, uh, they agree that that should not be in the curriculum. So we are standing, if we try to articulate that, we're standing on very solid ground. Now, the educational establishment is very on board with the wokeism, and that's all the more important for us to speak up because the school board's bosses are us, the voters, not the educational establishment. And we've already kind of talked about how strong that system is and we how we need to work against that. Okay, uh, even in our dialogue, as believers especially, that the, the biblical worldview is kind of our starting point. Now, it's not that we can't find commonalities with people who have various ways of uh, that they may deviate from that. But for us, that that is our worldview. And really, that's why we're talking about being gentle and not just mowing over people. Uh, and that's why it's such a no win game to try to do a lot of most of this over social media. And Jeff Myers makes a big deal out of that. So with that in mind, if starting as a biblical worldview, trying to keep the conversation open, here are 12 uh, techniques that he lists for civil dialogue. I'm just going to go through uh, most of them really quickly. You can look at the book and listen to the podcast for more. The first one is to use five conversation-altering words. They are, tell me more about that. Wonderful. Try it. I'm hoping that I can. Number two is ask questions like, what do you mean? How did you arrive at that conclusion? How do you know what's true? What happens if you're wrong? So many times in past conversations, I regret trying to give my opinion before I brought the other people's opinion out. Uh, next thing, show caring. Face-to-face uh, -face or in-person uh, uh, communication is so important. 55% of communication is visual. 38% is the tone of voice. That's why social media, again, is such a, a no-win thing. Next thing, keep the message clear and have, have a trajectory. Get the person's attention. Show the need for the change or the need for the truth, the core problem that needs solving. Provide a solution to the problem and then ask for action and offer hope. Uh, there's, too, there's so much fear out there that, that part of our job is offering hope. And who better to do that than believers who have the blessed hope in Christ uh, for eternity? Uh, next thing, get to know them. Take a personal approach. It may not happen all in one time. In fact, it probably won't. This is the ground war we've been talking about. It takes time. It's a slog, but that's the way to really get stuff done. Next one, be consistent. Listen to them if they listen to you. And how better to do that than to listen to them first and then uh, have your opportunity. Then it's going to be important to deflect hostility. We need to acknowledge that differences they're okay and legitimize having differences. That's not a problem. Try to find commonalities, things that, that you both agree on and avoid focus on personality issues uh, and, and degrading the other person uh, and try to do everything you can to affirm them. Avoid stereotypes. And then we want to be friendly with the people we're talking about, but at the same time, we don't want to grovel or we don't want to compromise. We are standing on the truth. We want to be open to, to persuasion and to acknowledge that people have a good point, but we don't want to compromise the truth just to promote some kind of a false uh, sense of agreement or peace. Encourage feedback from them as the next thing. Uh, ask them to ask others and then get back to you to talk to other people about it. Next, we can't be discouraged by resistance. Uh, we don't want to be afraid of disagreement, 
that, and, and understand that resistance is healthy. That's another thing I need to really uh, recommend and need to be more confident in the fact that I really do have a lot of core truth, truth to be able to articulate and that not to be afraid of resistance. Don't be afraid to ask for change. Be comfortable with silence and then to keep our mood positive. Um, I love the idea of being a happy warrior. No matter what, I don't want to get down. I don't want to get angry because uh, after all, the battle is the Lord's, not mine. And the duty is mine. The results are God's. Those things that we repeat over and over. Great things to remember. Hopefully this is some food for thought for you. And uh, so much more we could say, but uh, gone pretty long in this segment. So in just a second, I'll be back with our conclusion and a quote. episode about speaking the truth. Uh, don't be nice, but be gentle. So hopefully uh, this stuff has been helpful to you and we really uh, want it to, like we say in our mission statement, we want it to help inform and empower you to take your place in this good fight of contending for the truth. And it is, it is a fight. There is some contention involved. So ask, ask the Lord to help you figure out how he would want you to speak out. Uh, start with little stuff. Ask people questions. Ask how you can pray for people. Uh, be sensitive to the Spirit's leading. And I, for me, I'm trying to practice. If an idea pops up in my head, uh, then to, to try it. Uh, now, obviously, we could give all kinds of disclaimers. Nothing immoral, nothing illegal, all that stuff. That's not what we're talking about. Uh, next, it's best done in person. I've had some really good in-person uh, conversations with people in the last week as I've been thinking about this, and I'm very thankful. Encourage you to, to pray about it and look for the same. So here's the quote, and what better place to quote from is from the truth of God's Word, that truth with a capital T. So uh, this is from 2 Timothy 2, and, and the books of Timothy, this happens to be Paul's last letter that he wrote. And he was writing to a young person, uh, kind of like a Brian and Denver type of uh, relationship in some ways. But uh, here's what Paul says to Timothy in terms of his speaking out, because one of Timothy's problems was timidity. And Paul had addressed that to Timothy earlier uh, in these epistles to him. So here's what Paul tells Timothy. So flee youthful passions and pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace along with those who call on the Lord from a pure heart. So for all of us, we need to be done with the lesser things, the things that encumber us that don't matter for eternity, and to get together with like-minded people and try to articulate the truth. Verse 23, have nothing to do with foolish, ignorant controversies. You know that they breed quarrels. So that's that idea. You got to pick your battles. Not every battle is worth talking about. So just make sure it's something that it's worth disagreeing over. Otherwise, resist the temptation to get down in the weeds. Uh, verse 24, and the Lord's servant must not be quarrelsome, but kind to everyone, able to teach, patiently enduring evil, correcting his opponents with gentleness. God may grant, perhaps, uh, that they that they repent, leading to a knowledge of the truth. 
So th that's a wonderful reminder that we must not be quarrelsome, but be kind. And that's the idea of, of being gentleness. But the idea of that there is some correction going on. And I've had some resistance and even people talking uh, the idea of me wanting to persuade them of something. Well, truth is not worthy of, of, of being discussed if there's not some kind of a, of a persuasion thing. Now, none of us like to be pushed or have stuff, stuff show, uh, thrown, shoved down our throat. But at the same time, we can't be uh, uh, afraid that there are some things that are worth contending for and declaring uh, very boldly. Verse 26 that they may come to their senses and escape from the snare of the devil. There's that spiritual warfare uh, component that uh, is, is lurking in the background many times. And after being captured by him to do uh, his will, uh, that is Satan's will. So let me read verse 26 again, the context. That they may come to their senses and escape from the snare of the devil after being captured by him to do his will. So, uh, we want to just uh, remind you this applies uh, to all believers and to an extent. All truth is God's truth. And so uh, if, if, it, uh, if it's active out there in life and in the culture, then it, it's something that if God calls us to speak into that and uh, that we need to try to do that. Uh, where the Bible speaks clearly, we need to clearly speak. So I'm praying for you in this. If you've got any questions, uh, let us know. Uh, any issues, uh, disagreements, goodfight71 at gmail.com. And uh, pass this along to others if you think it, uh, you find it useful. But especially for all of us, our, our wonderful listeners and, and people that subscribe to the email, uh, really pray about where God would have you and uh, be involved in this. And let's keep the truth, the good news going out there. God bless you, everybody. Denver, all the best to you. And we look forward to being uh, back uh, with uh, Denver here at the next time. So thank you, everybody. Goodbye.